Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at Ganalfglands.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. So hi, everyone, and welcome to Know Your Food podcast number 136. For links and more, you can visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 136. This is a special episode because I am broadcasting it live on Periscope. So welcome to all of you who are with me live and who are checking out the replay on Periscope. And of course, to everyone who comes by the blog later when it's officially released uh, in a week or so. This is podcast... Uh, number 136, but it's continuing in a series because on the Know Your Food podcast, Know Your Food with Wardy, I have been covering traditional cooking time-saving tips. So every week I've given four or five. And today I'm going to cover, uh, what did I decide? Today I'm going to cover five more, except I don't know what my Periscope title was. If I said five or four, but I'm going to cover five more traditional cooking time-saving tips. Thank you for the hearts, everyone. If you are with me live, you can share this. You can even share it if you're watching the replay. Uh, if you're live, you click the Perry guy in the bottom corner, and then you can swipe right if you're on iOS or down, I believe, on Android to share on Facebook or Twitter. Or if you're watching the replay later, I think it's just a simple swipe right or down depending on what device you're using. Thank you so much for sharing. And welcome to everybody's here. So what were you guys doing? Just browsing the Periscope live feed and saw that um, I was doing a spur of the moment one and came on. Also, I'd love to know where you're from. So if you could type in the comments where you're tuning in from and then I'll get to the podcast recording. You are cooking, fantastic. It's a great way to listen. I've been doing that lately myself, listening in on something while I'm cooking or washing dishes. You got a notification. Fantastic. Well, welcome to everybody who's here from Linden, Washington. Fantastic. You have just finished dinner and relaxing. Well, I hope you have a relaxing uh, dinner. And let's see, someone else got a reminder show up on their feed. Well, I'm just so thrilled you're all here with me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the hearts and thank you for sharing. All right. So here's what we've been talking about the last few weeks on Know Your Food with Warty. Traditional cooking time-saving tips. And I want to start out by introducing the concept of traditional cooking and what we do at Traditional Cooking School. I'm Wardy. I'm the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods, and I'm the lead teacher at traditionalcookingschool.com, also writer there. And we have been spreading the message of traditional cooking for several years. And what we're embracing are not only old methods of preparing food that make food really delicious, just like our great grandmothers used to do, uh, but it's also very nutritious because old-fashioned methods of food preparation take whole foods that are well-raised, you know, like organically grown, and they make them more nutritious and digestible. That's what the beauty of sourdough is or culturing or fermentation. You take whole, beautiful ingredients and you make them more nutritious and digestible. So that's what traditional cooking is and that's what we, we teach. So what I love to do in my own kitchen and to help all of you is to help you be more efficient and save time because cooking takes time. If you're used to cooking from scratch, it's not a big leap to switch to traditional cooking. 
if you're on the standard American diet and you're new to traditional cooking, it can seem very, very overwhelming. No matter what, we all benefit from uh, time-saving, efficiency, really questioning our motives and strategy. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Could we do, be doing something better? Could we not be doing something at all? There's so many things we all need to ponder. So I definitely want to encourage you to check out the previous podcasts in this series on traditional cooking time-saving tips because if you're coming in now on this episode, you've missed four plus five plus four, I think. So we've already covered a whole bunch of tips. You can find those at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 133, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 134, and knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 135. Okay, so we're going to jump into today's five traditional cooking time-saving tips. The first one is to use your crock pot. Why don't you guys tap the screen with hearts, let me know if you are a crock pot user already, or you can put a thumbs up in the comments. Who loves using their crock pot? We are getting a lot of hearts, great. I love using my crock pot too. The crock pot can be such a great kitchen helper, it can really save you time, it can free up your hands so you can be doing other things, whether it's homeschooling or gardening or knitting, it's kind of like this this appliance that you, that's like a second pair of hands in some ways. So you can do soups and stews and roasts and meats and grass-fed meats especially benefit from long cooking. You can do broths. So many things can be cooked hands-free in the crock pot. I want to recommend a great resource to you and I believe Stacy, I don't know if you're here, but uh, Stacy makes sense. You can follow her. She has a great scope channel and a great Instagram and a great blog, but she has a mostly whole foods crock pot cooking book, book called Crock On. You can get it at tradcookschool.com slash crock on. I highly recommend it if you wanna embark on crock pot cooking. Yep, woohoo Stacy! I know she did a fantastic job on that book. Really inventive, creative, easy recipes that are delicious, family friendly, use mostly whole foods, and um, can really help you make the most of your crock pot. So that is tip number one. Use your crock pot, it'll save you time. And it'll save you time and not only that, it very well may ramp up the results that you're serving to your family so they may enjoy the meals better and you've spent less time on them. So it's great. Tip number two is to prep extra. Who does this? If you are in the kitchen dicing an onion, does anybody here like dice two? Or if you're browning ground beef and you need two pounds for the meal you're doing, do you ever brown four and set aside two for a later meal? Tap the screen and give me some hearts or give me a thumbs up in the comments if you are looking for ways to prep extra when you're already doing something. And if you do, type in the comments and let me know some of the things that you do prep um, extra. I'm gonna give you some ideas, I already gave you two. Uh, if you need an onion, dice two of them. Onions keep great in the fridge, so you already have a diced onion for your next meal. Do plan to use it soon. If you are uh, soaking nuts, like one big thing in traditional cooking is we soak nuts to neutralize enzyme inhibitors and make them less hard on our tummy. And so if you're soaking a jar of nuts, why not soak two jars of nuts? What do you guys think of these ideas? And if you, um, if you have any to share, please, and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll repeat you so everybody later down the line, replay viewers and podcast listeners will hear your brilliance. The point here is your effort goes twice as far. If you cook a big pot of rice, 
then you can use it in meals for a couple days instead of just one. I do this with beans. If I'm cooking beans for chili one night, I'll do a big crock pot of, of beans. By the way, tip number one was use the crock pot, right? Tip number two is prep extra. Well, you're doing both. If you use your crock pot to make a big batch of something extra. And so I'll do a big pot of beans. I did this just last week. We were having refried beans and I made, I cooked up the beans. I soaked and cooked them, made up the refried beans and I have, um, a gallon size bag of cooked pinto beans in the freezer for when we have chili in a couple weeks. Thanks for the hearts, everyone. I'm glad to see people joining. Feel free to like and share this, um, this scope. And thanks for being here. Yes, awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I love prepping extra. Um, tip number three is to delegate. Now I'm going to give you a confession here. I am not a great delegator. It is a lifelong journey to learn to delegate because I am a person that um, sometimes it's just easier to do it myself. Is anybody else like that? Uh, tap some hearts or a thumbs up in the comments if you're like that. We're getting lots of hearts. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Someone says hard to. Yes, it is hard to delegate, isn't it? And when we have children, we want to raise them and train them and teach them what we're learning, right? So it's really important. Sometimes though we get busy, um, we're just thinking in the moment. And so we're just like, I'm just gonna do this myself. I'm not gonna bring anyone in on this. And I am preaching to the choir here when I say delegate more. Think of the long-term, the long-term benefit to your children and your family to get them involved in the, in the um, kitchen. I'd rather do it myself. I totally agree with that feeling. Um, and it's a long-term benefit to you and your workload and your happiness. I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about um, the great importance of asking for help and that it may be in work or in life. And we have requests coming at us all the time. And as a mom, we know this, we're in the kitchen, we're cooking with our family and requests are coming out all, all the time. Mom, there's not enough to eat. Mom, what's a snack I can have? Mom, what are we eating for dinner? Mom, 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 right? And we love our families, we wanna serve them, so we try to help them. Um, well, what about if instead of jumping right in and oh, okay, I'll do that and I'll do that and that and burning ourselves out and not being able to keep up and things falling back into chaos, what if we rope in, and I don't mean uh, literally, what if we bring in our children and family members and we're not the first to start doing it, but we're, that's a, say something like, that's a great idea, we do need cookies, why don't you help me make some? If you make cookies with your children a couple times, or crackers, or whatever you make with them a couple times, pretty soon you could be in the dining room writing out a menu plan, or writing a letter, or sending thank you cards, or knitting, while you are watching them and supervising them making the cookies for the family. Delegating is so important. Young children can be taught to do so much more than we think. When, um, when my kids were little, I told you this is a battle for me. I have to constantly tell myself delegate. And my husband is very good too because he often says, Forty, you can delegate this. You can get some help with this. I say, you're right. Um, so my son is 15 now. And uh, you know, there's been times when I haven't been good about delegating, but he is so competent in the kitchen now. He's completely in charge of the kombucha. And from a young age, he's been making popcorn and rinsing sprouts and just doing all kinds of things. Um, and our girls are the same way probably in spite of me, <laughs> they've picked things up. Um, and it's so wonderful now to see them older and you know life is busy and to be able to turn to them. So what my advice is, if it's hard for you, 
Make the investment and give it a try. Try to delegate more. Try not to be the first one to jump in when you see a need. Try to get other family members to meet each other's needs. And you're going to be happier. They're going to be happier. They're going to be more invested in the cooking and the nourishment that goes on in the family. They're going to feel like valued and trusted and important. Um, one of the things that we say in, at traditional cooking school in our Real Food Kids class in fact, Jamie, the main teacher of that class, said, um, oh, it's, I'm blanking on it. <sighs> Give me a moment. Uh, oh, everyone eats, everyone cooks, right? Here's the idea. Everybody eats, so everybody should be cooking. Cooking, I mean, eating is a basic need that we all have, just like we need to brush our teeth, just like we need to shower. Well, eating is a basic need too, so everybody should participate right? Thanks for the hearts, everyone. And I'm happy to see people joining us. And don't forget, you can share. This is a live uh, recording of my podcast, Know Your Food with Warty, that will air in a bit. And I am on five traditional cooking uh, time-saving tips. I've shared three so far. Number one was use your crock pot. Number two is prep extra. Number three is delegate. Can really save you time, all these things. All right, let's move on to number four. Um, Number four, assemble a packed lunch while you're assembling dinner. So anybody here need to pack school lunches or lunches for your husband or lunches for yourself the next day? If you could give some hearts or give a thumbs up in the comments, let me know if you're in that position. Do you need to pack lunches? I am occasionally in that position myself because I have an office in town. I'm here right now, two days a week. And I try to get out early in the morning. We have an often, great. I try to get out early in the morning. And back when my husband worked outside of the home, he needed a packed lunch every day. Sometimes the kids have things, they need a packed lunch. Well, when you need to get out early and the mornings are crazy, but you want to send nourishing food with your family, um, don't leave it to the last minute to the morning. Do it the night before when you're working on dinner, every day, yes. All right, so those of you who've said you need to do it often, is it a challenge? And tell me, when are you doing it? Are you doing it in the morning? Are you doing it the day before, the night before? What, what's your current routine? And I'll keep talking and watching for your answers. I find that when we have to do this now and had to do it in the past, that the most efficient time-saving way to pack the lunch was when we're already working on dinner. So. Um, if, you're, if you need to pack the lunch, you fix it while doing dinner. So if you're fixing a salad for dinner, fix the salad for lunch. If you're doing, um, um, you know, if you have leftovers of the main dish and you're putting away the leftovers from dinner, then you're packing them or you're setting them aside to warm up quickly and put in a food jar in the morning. We have a leftovers cleanup after dinner. We have a sometimes after dinner leftovers, sometimes in the morning. Okay, good, these are making sense to me. And these are, you know, my experience as well. I am, tip number four though, is all about doing as much as you can while you're assembling dinner for the day, for the next day. I oftentimes take a smoothie, um, like a yogurt smoothie, so I will, even I tend to have them in the mornings a lot. So one morning I'm home, I will blend my current one and I'll blend the one for tomorrow, or I might do it in the evening. Um, if I am putting away the leftovers, I'll reserve whatever's gonna go in the lunch. So then in the morning, I can just quickly here heat it and fill the food jar. The salads are assembled, ingredients for sandwiches can be assembled, so many things can be assembled. Cookies can be bagged or snacks, crackers and cheese, whatever can be assembled 
the night before, so then you're saving a lot of time the next morning or, heaven forbid, going without lunch because you just didn't have time. So that is a way to save and to still keep traditional cooking and nourishing foods going in your family. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you for the love, the hearts, for the comments. It really boosts me up. So continuing on with tip number five, this is, this is the live recording of my Know Your Food podcast, number 136. Tip number five is a perpetual stock pot or a perpetual broth. And um, I do have a complete article on this at the Traditional Cooking School blog. You can find it at tradcookschool.com slash perpetual or knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash perpetual. Here's the idea. You have a crock pot. This is kind of a piggyback on number one, but it has a specific purpose with broth because broth is one of those nourishing, wonderful foods that we should be eating often. You might think, oh, boring, but you can put broth in your sauces, your soups. You can cook rice in it. Um, you can oh, just do so many things with broth. In fact, if you search traditionalcookingschool.com for uh, eight ways to get your stock in without drinking it straight. There's eight ideas there to help you get more broth and stock. The gelatin and the minerals are so good for us. So soothing if you're sick, but good always. So this idea is to keep it going perpetually. You have a crock pot, you put your chicken bones or your beef bones or whatnot in it. You fill with water, you add a splash of vinegar. Good, you have bone broth in the crock pot now. Yay, awesome. Um, and the vinegar helps pull more minerals out of the bone, so it's really good for you. And then you put it on low. And, you know, eight, 12 hours later, you can start eating some of the broth. The initial broth is gonna be high fat. When you harvest that, it's gonna start um, getting less fat and it's gonna get richer. Um, you can take some off, you know, any time in the first day, but do give it a couple hours. And when it gets low, you replenish with water. And you do that until pretty much the water is not getting flavored by the bones anymore. You can consider the bones spent. Then you would wanna empty the crock pot um, put more, bo more bones and more water, maybe give your crock pot a break from running. But the idea is you spent hardly any effort or time on having stock going all the time. It's called perpetual stock and your crock pot is just working away, providing your broth for all the cooking needs you've had. Who here eats broth regularly? Can you let me know in the comments? Who is a broth lover? And also tell me your first name. I know I'll be able to read it if you type it in your comment and tell me why broth is important to you. Thank you for the love, everyone. Remember, you can share this by swiping right or down, depending on your device. So good to see you here. I see Marvin just joined. Welcome, Marvin. Okay, while you're answering, I'm just gonna wrap this up. So we've had five tips today to help you with traditional cooking. Use your crock pot, prep extra, delegate, Assemble packed lunch while you're assembling dinner. I love broth, but just started making it. Angie, good, we'll keep it up. I love hearing that. And number five, per a perpetual stock pot. So use your crock pot to help you keep stock going. Cuts down on the mess, cuts down on the time. Donna, I love the flavor and it's so good for me. Good. I usually use my bones for about three batches. Good to know. That's been my experience as well. They go for about three batches. Love seeing your tips. Thanks everyone. Jamie, I try to use broth every single day. If nothing else, I use it to make a bowl of noodles. Excellent. 
love it but not consistent, gut healing, good reason, postpartum and the healing collagen is so important, says Emily. Yes, so, so true. Well, I'm gonna wrap up here with a special invitation for all of you. If you are interested in traditional cooking, I have a free video series at, at tradcookschool.com free. It's five videos from inside traditional cooking school that will introduce you to some of the fundamentals of traditional cooking like soaking and sprouting and skillet dishes where you can just whip it up out of whatever ingredients you have in your in your fridge so come on by and grab that that is tradcookschool.com free thank you so much for joining me today thank you for all the hearts in the comments and this is going to be up um, in a week or two at knowyourfoodpodcast.com 136 thanks everyone bye-bye Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.